0: We'll begin in John chapter eighteen, and we'll consider verse thirty-nine through chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. For the sake of context, let's let's back up just a, a couple of verses to verse thirty-seven in chapter eighteen. John eighteen thirty-seven. Pilate therefore said to him, "Are you a king then?" Jesus answered. That I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a robe of purple Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid And went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabatha. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. But they cried out away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar and then he delivered them him to them to be crucified then they took jesus and led him away would you pray with me god you are our father you have made us your children through the sufferings of christ even what we've read this morning You, against whom we have rebelled and sinned, have come to us. You sent your only son that we could be reconciled to you. You are our king. We worship you. We praise you. And now, Lord, we desire to hear from you. So as we consider what you have given to us in your word, I pray that you would be with us, that you would teach us and give us open hearts to receive the truths your word contains. Lord, if anyone here doesn't know you, may they see the error of their ways Lord, may they feel the weight of their sin and repent. And put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and died to save them. And may we who know you worship you and glory in the cross of our Lord. And it's in his name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. We return to our study this week. The account of Jesus's sufferings. You remember last week in chapter 18, Jesus was brought... Before Pilate, Pilate questions Jesus Who are you? What have you done? What are the charges they've brought against you? Are you a king? Really important questions. And then he finished with this one question What is truth? These sayings of Pilate throughout chapters 18 and 19 really are profound questions. That people have been asking for generations. Who is Jesus? What shall I do with Jesus? And when we concluded the section we considered last week, Pilate came out to the Jews after his examination of Jesus. And he came to this conclusion. I find no fault in him at all. But when we come to verse 39, we pick up today, he says, But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you, therefore, want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pilate doesn't want to kill Jesus. And to say the least, he's fascinated by Jesus. He doesn't see that he's done anything wrong. But at the same time, he feels that political pressure He doesn't want the Jews sending any protests to Rome. He doesn't want to be uh, criticized or deposed by the emperor. He doesn't want a riot on his hands. So he tries to make it their decision and he tries to make it an obvious decision. He puts before them Jesus. The one who's done nothing for them, but heal their sick. Preach the word of God to them. Raise the dead. Even provide food for them. And puts him up against another prisoner named Barabbas. It should be an obvious choice. Be like if Judy, who was just up here singing, was on one side and on the other side, I had Osama bin Laden and I said, which would you like me to set free? It would seem to be an obvious choice. We would much rather spend time with Miss Judy. Judy. They put he puts Jesus up next to Barabbas, says, do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And the people all begin crying out, we want Barabbas. Don't let this man go. Don't release him. Release to us Barabbas. John tells us that Barabbas was a robber, and that's a bit of an understatement. John's intent isn't to give us the backstory on Barabbas. We don't know everything about Barabbas. But we know from the other Gospels that Barabbas was more than just a robber. He was a murderer. And he was more than just a murderer. He was an insurrectionist. (laughs) He was a rebel. He was one of the, the few that wanted to band together and overthrow the empire and their occupation of Israel. And throughout this entire scene that we've read this morning in chapter 18 and 19, it is just packed full of irony. Because what's their accusation against Jesus? He says he's a king. That's a threat to the emperor. That's a threat to Rome. You should kill him. So they put him up next to someone who's actually a threat to Rome. Who actually wants to overthrow the king. And who do they want released? Barabbas. The irony is thicker though. Because... Just Barabbas' name itself is son of the father. Bar being son, Abba being father. His very name means son of the father. So not only do you have an accused insurrectionist against an actual insurrectionist, now you have someone whose very name means son of the father And the one who himself is in the flesh, God, the son of the father. Do you want the true son of the father or do you want this one who is in name only? Who is a sinner? And in a massive cry of injustice, they say, not this man, but Barabbas. Release Barabbas. So then as we move into chapter 19, verse 1 says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. It seems like an odd thing to do, to be scourged. That's the part that you've seen depicted in the movies and you've heard told in the stories The whip that had bones and glass and sharp pieces woven into the braids and would tear into the flesh of the one who was being whipped, exposing the muscles and the bones. Jesus was beaten in this way. It was one of the most or was the most severe beating a man could receive. Some people even died from this before they ever made it to crucifixion. Pilate scourged Jesus Or had him scourged. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. That crown of thorns, of course, was to be a mockery. The crowns, some of the crowns you would have seen in that day, like maybe you would have seen impressed on the coins would have been a a crown with prongs that that came out. The closest thing we have to that would be like the Statue of Liberty. So they find long thorns and twist the crown out of it and shove it on Jesus's head to mock him. And the blood pours down, of course. And then they take this purple robe, purple being this symbol of royalty, and they put it on this back that they've just beaten with the whip. They put a purple robe on him and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They mock him. Some people think he's a king. Let's treat him like a king. Let's give him a crown. Let's put a robe on him. Let's give him honor. And they bow in their mocking voices and cry out, long live the king. Hail to the king. The king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. It's interesting that Pilate would do this. They're calling for his death. They've had him exchanged for Barabbas. And Pilate sends him out to be beaten and he's mocked. And he comes back in verse four and says, Pilate then went out again and said to them, behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. It's as if Pilate is trying to avoid having Jesus killed, so he beats him to appease the crowd. Maybe if they see him beaten and bloodied and mocked and put to shame in such a way, they'll back off. They'll be satisfied and I can let him go. Jesus came out, verse five, wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, the man look at him. Look at him. Look at the shame. Look at the mocking. Look at the beating he's already been through. Hoping to appease the crowd. That statement of Pilate is profound. Behold the man. If they had only beheld him. Had they only realized who he really was. This man. Yes, he was man. He was God in the flesh. Truly man, but he was the ideal man, the perfect man, the sinless man, the man that none of them could live up to had they only beheld him. But the crowds weren't appeased. Verse 6 says, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! The appeasement didn't work. So Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him. I find no fault in him. Pilate's standing his ground somewhat. This Gentile pagan governor is the only one who seems to recognize that there's nothing wrong with Jesus. If anyone should have recognized him, if anyone should have known who he was, it should have been those who knew the scriptures. It should have been the religious leaders. It should have been the very ones who are now calling for his, own, for his crucifixion. Pilate says, you take him and crucify him. Of course, they didn't have the authority to do that. There's sarcasm all over his words here. You take him. You crucify him. I want nothing to do with this. I find no fault in him. The Jews answered and said, We have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die. Why? Because he made himself the Son of God. If anybody ever tells you that Jesus did not claim to be God, tell that to the Pharisees that wanted to kill him. That's exactly why they wanted to kill him. Making himself the son of God was to make himself of the same essence, the same nature as God, to equate himself with God. They recognized that and they said, we have a law. Well, in fact, they do have a law. You can find it in the book of Leviticus. That if one should blaspheme, he should be stoned. If Jesus isn't telling the truth, they're exactly right. He needs to die. Because to make yourself equal with God is blasphemy. Unless it's true. So according to their law, he should have been taken out and stoned. But we discussed last week that wasn't the plan of God, was it? It was God's plan from even the Old Testament that not a bone of his should be broken. That he would be lifted up, that he would be pierced. All the things that describe crucifixion. Jesus is in complete control of this situation. The Jews say we have a law according to our law. He ought to die because he made himself the son of God. And then Pilate heard that saying in verse 8, he was more afraid. Why was Pilate afraid? He was already troubled because of the words of Jesus. That little conversation we considered last week about him being a king and his kingdom not being of this world. One of the other gospel writers tells us that after Barabbas was released, Pilate's wife sent word to him and said, don't do any harm to that just man. Because I have suffered many things this day because of a dream. So Pilate already sees something's different about Jesus. He says he's a king. He says his kingdom isn't of this world. He's heard from his wife who says, I had a dream about this guy. You don't need to do anything to him. And now those who are accusing him says he makes himself to be the son of God. And Pilate starts getting nervous. So verse nine, he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, "Where are you from?" That's the. I guess that was the best question he could come up with when he heard that he claimed to be the Son of God. Where are you from? You say you're a king. You say that your kingdom is not of this world. They say that you said you're the Son of God. Where are you from? I mean, what a perfect opportunity, what an open door for Jesus to give witness to this Gentile, to the truth about himself, about who God is. I mean, if someone walked up to me and said, what do you think about Jesus? I mean, there is no better opportunity for evangelism. Hold on, let me get my gospel tract. Let me find my New Testament. I'll tell you about Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. I suppose this was one of those occasions of which Jesus spoke where he instructed them not to cast their pearls before swine. Pilate isn't really interested in believing in Jesus. It sounds like he's just nervous for his own well-being. Jesus is silent. Didn't Isaiah say something like that? That Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Like a sheep that's brought before its shearers and is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Pilate says, where are you from? Jesus gives him no answer. And Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? You're not going to speak to me. Don't you know who you're not speaking to? Do you not know that I have power, I have authority to crucify you? And I have the power, I have the authority to let you go. Don't you know who I am, Jesus? I can help you. You need me on your side. Why aren't you talking to me? Jesus answered in verse 11, you could have no power at all against me unless it had be, been given you from above. Jesus doesn't answer Pilate's question about where he's from. But he does make sure that he is fully aware that he has no authority over this situation. Pilate is just a player on God's stage. Pilate is just being used. Yes, he's doing it of his own free will. Yes, he's making his own terrible choices. Yes, he is responsible for his own sin, but even in his own rebellion, even in his own sin, he is carrying out the perfect plan of God. Pilate, you have no authority here. If you have any authority at all, it's because it was given to you from God. That is a truth that we also need to remember as a parenthetical comment here. There is no one who has any authority who has not received that authority from God. I have a friend who liked a a certain former president very much and just thought he was the greatest thing. And, And he told me, he said, I believe that God put that man in office. And I said, yes, I believe that, too. Just as much as I believe that God put his predecessor and his successor in office. Yeah, but I think God had a purpose for putting him there. And I say, yep, I I do too. Just as much as his predecessor and his successor. You know, we've got our own governor in the state. Some people love him, some people hate him. Some people will just sing his praises and he's saving us from COVID. Some people will just trash his name and he's killing our economy. But I'll tell you, it doesn't matter which side you take or which view you hold. He has no authority except that which has been given him from above. The man sitting in the White House and all those who surround him have no authority except that which has been given them from above. Now, we like to think we have the authority. Well, we voted. We put them there. And yes, you did. You had your part. But ultimately. They are all pawns being used to carry out God's eternal purposes, not what's going to happen in the next four or eight years, but what's going to happen for all of eternity. Pilate was no different. He has no authority over Jesus except for what authority was given to him by Jesus. Pilate, you don't have authority to crucify me. You don't have authority to let me go. Every amount of authority you have came from God. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Verse 12 says, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. I don't know exactly how long that lasted, but Pilate is making an effort. He's going back and forth, talking to who he needs to talk to, trying to convince these people to let him let Jesus go. But the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Now, I don't we don't know exactly whether it was at this point or not, but there was a time where the friend of Caesar was an official title that one could be given someone that had been honored as one who served under the emperor. Maybe Pilate had that honor. Maybe it was one he hoped to attain. But it's like the Jews are holding whatever they can out over his head. To convince him, to persuade him. It's the carrot on the stick. If you let Jesus go, you are not Caesar's friend. It's a threat. It's a childish game. Do what we we want or we're going to tell the emperor on you. Do what we want or we're going to call your boss. you would think someone in Pilate's position would be able to hold his own to stand on the the point of principle that he found this man innocent. But the Jews said, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that's called the pavement in the Hebrew Gabbatha. He brought Jesus out to make his... Make his verdict known. He caved under the pressure. Yeah, he makes another couple of pleas here in the next few verses, but overall his mind is made up. It's not worth it to him to risk a negative word going back to Rome. It's not worth it to him for the emperor to hear that there had been a riot, unrest in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. John gives us some details in verse 14 that maybe would seem insignificant on the surface. But he says, now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. Now, if he had just said it was the preparation day, we would have thought that that could have been any given Friday preparation for the Sabbath. But he tells us specifically that it was the preparation day of the Passover. The Passover being that week when the Jews would bring their lambs to the priests to be offered as a sacrifice for sin. And he says specifically that it was about the sixth hour. Based on this time. This would have been the time that the priests began to carry out the act of killing the sacrifices. The sixth hour being noon. Noon. They would start about midday and through the rest of the day because there were so many people it took all day. From noon until the end of the day, they would be killing lambs, offering sacrifices, making atonement for sin according to the law of God. And it would be at the very time that the Passover lambs were being slain that the Lamb of God would lay down his own life. It was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. Behold, your king. First, he said, behold, the man. Now behold, your king. Had they only seen. But they cried out away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate's last-ditch effort, Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answer, they say the most remarkable thing, something Pilate would probably have never expected to hear from their mouths. They said, We have no king but Caesar. This is the ultimate Final rejection of their Messiah. Their king who has come. These Jews hated Rome. They wanted their Messiah to overthrow him. They hated Caesar. They hated his heavy hand. Yet compared to Jesus, they said, no, we will take Caesar any day. Compared to Jesus, compared to the one who says he comes to save them from their sins, compared to the one who said he came in the name of the Lord, compared to the one who fed them, who healed them, who brought their dead back to life. They said, no, we don't want him. We don't want that evil man. We'll take Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him to them to be crucified. They took Jesus and led him away. As we consider these this passage. We have to consider our own hearts. Where do we fit here? All of us have to. Ask the question that Pilate did, what shall I do with Jesus? <laughs> I believe in the sovereign working of God, I believe that he has his chosen people. But each one of us must make that choice. See, there was no middle ground for Pilate. Jesus either died. Or he let him go and he suffered the consequences. He took a risk on himself. Jesus said that if you're not willing to leave everything to follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. If you choose to follow Jesus, if you choose to submit to him as your king, if you choose to surrender your life to him, it will cost you something. Something. We love to sing, follow the footsteps of Jesus, but the footsteps of Jesus lead to a cross. Where do you think it will lead us? To some kind of cross. It would have cost Pilate something to do what he knew was right, and it will cost you something if you choose to follow Jesus. But if you reject him. You have as much blood on your hands for his death as Pilate. There is no middle ground. You can't remain indifferent. Pilate tried his best to stay out of it. But he had to make a choice. And so do you. Personally, I like to identify with Barabbas, (laughs) he was the real criminal. You know, they hung other murderers and robbers and insurrectionists on each side of Jesus when he was crucified. Barabbas should have been the man on the middle cross. It was his lucky day. (laughs) He didn't wake up that morning thinking he was going to get set free. But Jesus literally took his place. I'm the criminal. I'm the one who deserves judgment. Jesus took my place. And now I can walk free. He did the same for you. In his death on the cross, he took the punishment and the wrath that you deserve. You're guilty. You deserve punishment. But Jesus took it. So you could walk free. All you have to do is embrace it. Repent of your sins. Put your trust in Jesus alone. You can be free. Next week, we'll consider Jesus as he is crucified. But don't walk out of this building and just brush off the weight of what we've just considered and go on with your life. Take this with you. Remember what Christ did for you. His suffering wasn't just when he was nailed to the cross. We've seen it for weeks now. He suffered much leading up to the cross. And he did it all for you. Would you stand as we pray? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sufferings of Christ in our behalf. That we who are criminals, who deserve death and hell, can walk free. We have been reconciled to God. We have the promise of an eternal home with you. Because Christ took our place. Jesus was condemned so that I could be justified. Justified. Lord, may we cling to these truths. May it shape everything we do in our lives. May we display the same humility as Jesus, should we be called on to suffer. And may we love and care for and forgive even those who harm us. May the lost hear and be saved.